You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Clashing of two kingdoms. I don't know, have you felt the, the discomfort lately? Uh-huh. It seems like uh, the kingdom of darkness doesn't want to leave without putting up a fight. <clears throat> that shouldn't surprise us. And as we're looking historically at the, at the early church and we're seeing all that took place, uh, you know, after the resurrection of Jesus and, and as he taught on the kingdom for 40 days to his, his disciples, and then as he's ascended to the right hand of the Father and he releases the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and then the apostles start moving in incredible authority with signs and wonders and all sorts of incredible stuff that takes place. And we see that there's daily an addition to the church. It's growing every day. And that they're, they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And so we see just this, this kononia, this, this fellowship, this coming together of the family of God, the body of Christ. And it's so amazing. And then problems start popping up. Now go figure. On earth, problems start popping up. And there's a, there's a, a, they're upset about the distribution of the food to the widows. And so they take that and, and they choose seven men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. These were men that were honored among the community. And they, they took care of making sure that the, the distribution of the food was in a pleasing and, and uh, an acceptable way. And so everything went fine. Everything's good. We find out now one of those seven, it's not one of the disciples, not one of the apostles, but but now one of the seven that was in the daily food distribution, he gets attacked. And they end up stoning Stephen. And and there's a time of mourning and grief, and we looked at that last week. So that's one of the seven that was chosen. And as a result of that, there there came this great persecution in Jerusalem. Right now, it's just localized to Jerusalem. And so all the people, all the believers are are scattering throughout the side, uh, throughout the countryside. And and we find that Samaria is the next stop. And with Stephen gone, we, we now see Philip. And we see Philip as a man full of the Holy Spirit and with wisdom. And he goes there. And we have this incredible account. So if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen, but let's start with verse 9, Acts chapter 8. For some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished at the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, They sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. 
because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was, excuse me, Holy Spirit, Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and a captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Wow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We acknowledge that your word and your spirit come to us to bring transformation, to bring revelation, to change us and to conform us into the image of yourself. And we long for that transformation. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to speak to us and give us revelation of what you're saying to the church today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So they're scattering, they're proclaiming the gospel, and that's the general statement. But now we zero in on Philip, and he's going to, he's going to Samaria. And as he gets to Samaria, we find that the first thing that Luke wants us to see is that there's already some supernatural magic activity taking place in the Samaritan area. And so we look at Simon. Look at, this, look at these characteristics, man. He practiced sorcery. He amazed all the people. He boasted about how great he was. I think we got an insecurity complex going on. And so he's wanting to be important. He's wanting to be known. He's wanting to get attention. So he, he, he's kind of gone to the dark side to get the power. Mm. All the people, regardless of, of whether they were poor people or rich people, educated people, uneducated people, the higher or the lower, all the classes huh, gave him their attention. He was known as the great power. And they attributed his power and his magic to, to divine, to godlike. The people followed him. He amazed them for a long, long time with his magic. And so this is the backdrop drop that, that Philip is coming into Samaria, to this town. And as, as he comes into this city, he's proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's declaring the kingdom of God. And as he does that, God shows up. And people start to believe. And there's signs and wonders that are taking place. Supernatural things are going on. And, and the people are believing now in the authentic rather the counterfeit. And so as, as they're hearing and as, as they're receiving the message that Philip is proclaiming, 
It's incredible what takes place. There's a clashing of these kingdoms. Philip preached the good news of the kingdom and of the name of Jesus Christ. That's good. He wasn't going around getting everybody to pray a sinner's prayer. He was proclaiming the kingdom and declaring the name of Jesus. He baptized men and women. So there's a, there's a great harvest that's taking place. Right when you're starting to think, oh man, the enemy's going to snuff this out with this persecution in Jerusalem. No, he just spread the fire throughout the area. Remember in, in Acts 1.8, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria to the othermost parts of the earth, Amen. to the ends of the earth. And so we're, we're seeing this transition here in Scripture where they're going from Jerusalem and now it's spreading throughout Judea and Samaria. And so Luke is, is zeroing in on Philip and what takes place here. So much so that Simon hears and Simon believes. Now this is kind of fun, isn't it? Figure this one out. He believed and he not only believed, he was baptized. He believed and he was baptized. Wow. And after that, he followed Philip everywhere Philip went. He was like Philip's shadow. But what was it that intrigued Simon? It wasn't the relationship with Jesus as much as, as it was the power the watching the astonishing things that Philip did. And, and that's, that's, that's amazing. Now, the problem is in the church, a lot of times we'll hear messages on, on this and uh, the ones on this side will say, therefore, you know, don't, don't go after power and signs and wonders and all that kind of stuff. Believe, just believe and have a real relationship with Jesus. And don't get all, if you do, you're going to be just like Simon the sorcerer. Or we get the ones that say, if you don't have power and authority, how do you know the kingdom's present? And unfortunately, in most American churches, the Holy Spirit could be gone and we'd have business as usual and nobody would know anything different as far as the external. It would, it would look just like every, every week. And that shouldn't be the case. We find that there's extremes and the extremes on both sides are wrong. What Philip shows us is that the use of power doesn't come because we seek power. The dynamic and expression of power in our lives comes out of the intimacy that we have with Jesus, the intimacy that we have with the Father, the intimacy that we have with the Holy Spirit. There was a fullness within the apostles and they, they weren't seeking signs and wonders. They were following Jesus who healed the lepers, raised the dead, uh, 
cause blind eyes to see and deaf ears to open and the mute to be able to speak. He did all of these incredible things. People that had issues in their blood system healed at the touch of his garment. And so we have all of this dynamic and they follow Jesus. And then as the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they realize that Jesus was walking in the spirit. And Luke in his gospel makes it very, very clear in chapter four that after his baptism and after his temptation, as he comes back to do ministry, it's the Holy Spirit is upon him in full measure. And so he then takes the book of Isaiah and he proclaims the definition of his ministry, that he's there to proclaim good news to the poor, that he's there to heal the brokenhearted, that he's there to open the blind eyes, that he's there to set the captives free. And we see all of these expressions that says, basically, heaven has come to earth. The kingdom of God, his reign and rule, because there is no sickness, there is no blindness, there is no deafness, there is no leprosy, there is no cancer in heaven, has come to earth. And we're to continue that extension of that ministry. But the apostles were following Jesus, and as the Holy Spirit came upon them, they kind of grew into this thing. (laughs) Boom, on the day of Pentecost. And then they're starting to get in trouble. And as they get released, they they just say, oh, pray. One of the jailbreaks is an angelic jailbreak. I would love to have seen that. I can't wait till we get to heaven. I want to see see when Peter and John get out of jail because the angel comes and and takes. And the guards are still there. But in, in light of the persecution and everything that goes, it's like their power and their anointing increases. It's not because they're going after signs and wonders. They're going after Jesus. They're going after the kingdom of God, proclaiming in Jesus' name the resurrection of the dead and seeing the kingdom established. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. Believe the good news. It's time for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. And so as they're doing that, now Philip, It's spreading. The anointing is going on. Believers that are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and continuing to pursue intimacy, not staying in Jerusalem, going to a city in Samaria, is now proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God. You proclaim it with your words and you demonstrate it with the power and the authority that has been delegated to us by the Lord Jesus who says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go. Go. Baptize, make disciples, bring them to obedience of everything that I've taught and said. And so that's what they're doing. In the process, amazing things happen. We saw, and last week I scared half of you to death with my imitation of a demonic shriek that was being cast out. But but the stuff was happening. When the kingdom of God comes, the light always trumps the darkness. The kingdom of God always is superior to the kingdom of darkness. And so here's Simon. My heart goes out to Simon. Of course, I got that pastoral anointing, and I'm just thinking, oh, come on, Simon. If I was there, I'd take you under my wing and just let you know 
First of all, we got to go through deliverance and get rid of all of this black magic that you've been doing and repent and get rid of that so that he would have room in his heart for the king and all his majesty. So there, there we have it. It's, it's amazing. Everything looks pretty, pretty amazing. And then they get word about what's happening in this revival in the Samaritan city all the way back to Jerusalem. And so now the Jerusalem apostles get there and they say, let's, let's send Peter and John and have them go down and check it out. Okay, so Peter and John arrives on the scene and there is more clashing of the kingdom. It's interesting, I, I, I've been talking with the Lord. I'm, I'm just saying, why didn't Philip address some of the stuff that, that Peter and John addressed? And it could be that Philip was an evangelist. And so he was just going out and proclaiming the good news and, and leading people to Christ. But now the apostles come. And as, as John and as Peter get on the, the scene, uh, they realize that all these people that have come, they've been baptized in Jesus, but they haven't received the Holy Spirit. This is, this is something that gets repeated in the book of Acts in chapter 19. We find that there's some more folks that haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. They, they heard about Jesus and they came to faith with Christ, but they haven't heard about the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and this is one of the things that I think is getting more and more clear to the church today about the importance that when someone comes to Christ and they repent of their sins and they accept Jesus into their life and and the grace that comes that brings the forgiveness of sins, we just birthed someone in the midst of a war. We, we like to think that it's, it's a sweet thing and we got a new baby and we got the nursery all set and we're just going to put it in the nursery and all this and it's going to just grow and eat and, and do all the stuff that little babies do and just grow up and just be a wonderful little thing. But when we're on this planet, the kingdom of darkness never lets anything that gets birth have an easy road. We find that the kingdom of darkness is always ready to kill something as soon as it gets initiated. As soon as it's birthed, it tries to take it out. And how many things do we have to worry about with, with babies, with little ones? In the natural realm, there's all sorts of stuff. We got SIDS to consider. We've got infections. We've got stuff out there that their little systems can't handle, and we got to protect them from jealous dogs. Who knows? You know, jealous siblings. <laughs> Whoever we got, we got to protect them. Got to protect the little ones. When when someone comes to a knowledge of Jesus and, and they're able to receive and, and, and there's a, a level of belief, you know, that's kind of like stage one, folks. There's more that needs to be done. That's why, oh God, forgive us for the times when, when you know, the, there was the phase that I went through as a, as, a, as a young believer where I was trying to get as many notches on my belt that means I would present a plan of salvation, get somebody to say a sinner's prayer, and we'd rejoice that they're a believer, and we'd leave them. We'd encourage them to get a part of church, get into a Bible-believing and this kind of stuff, but we never followed up. 
and the kingdom of darkness, there's, there's almost a sense that, yeah, bringing someone to saving faith is, is good, but we've got to make sure that they get an encounter with the Holy Spirit. There is a power and authority that can defeat the power of darkness, but we've got to do that. And you remember several, probably been months now, I said, next time we have a baptism service, after we dunk them in the tank, we're going to bring them down, bring them to the kneeling rail, and we're going to anoint them with oil and pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon them so that they will have power and authority to walk out what has happened in their heart, that they can realize that there is a battle going on and that they have an enemy, they have an adversary that has nothing to do but to steal, kill, and destroy everything that they're wanting to pursue. And will do everything they can, the kingdom of darkness will do everything it can to try to bring distance between God and his child. That's why I I, I think it's so interesting that it's kind of like, as Luke's telling the story, he comes out of warp drive and we zoom down and we take a, a little longer time to look at the dynamic of one situation with Simon the sorcerer and what's happening in this revival in this Samaritan city. So the apostles come, and here's what Peter and John does. They pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit who hasn't been yet, hasn't come upon them. They'd only been baptized into the name of Jesus. Now, theologically, we can get some fur ruffled right now Um, notice the text, the Holy Spirit had not come upon them. Did not mean that the Holy Spirit wasn't within them. You can't get birthed into the kingdom without the Spirit being present. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And as we're born again, the Spirit is within us. And we're born again. But He hasn't come upon us yet. I like the way Bill Johnson puts it. He says, the Holy Spirit is within me for my benefit. The Holy Spirit comes upon me for yours. The Holy Spirit comes upon for service, for ministry, for caring for another. And so we have this dynamic. And and so when they realize, oh, they lay hands on them and they release the Holy Spirit They pray for them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that's just a wonderful, wonderful verse, isn't it? I just love that. I just like the the importance of laying on of hands and imparting the Holy Spirit to another person so that the Holy Spirit can come upon them as it's activated from within them. The Holy Spirit comes upon, and now they're able to live not a defeated life, but a victorious life, and start to go and battle the battles that the enemy plays before them. And they're to win those battles. So that's good. They lay their hands on them. Uh Uh-oh. Simon's there. Why is Simon there? Simon's never leaving Philip's side. And he's watching this, and so he's watching Peter and John, and and he sees that it's through the laying on the hands that there's this impartation of the Holy Spirit. Now, mind you, 
when they laid their hands upon the, the, the new believers and the Holy Spirit was received, there was probably some kind of visual manifestation of that transaction. Some might have been very quiet and very powerful internally. Some may have had a, a real physical response to the impartation of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. Something caught Simon's eye, and he thought, ah, here's another thing that could go into my magic show. This is another expression of power I would like to have. <laughs> and he says, how much? How, how, how much do I got to pay to get that? To where I could go around and lay my hands on people and they would receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the crazy thing about all of this, it's not for sale. There's no cost. But he's thinking it's something that he can possess. And this is, is part of the problem that we have today, is that we get confused how this thing works. Whenever it's not about the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, and it's about pursuing power, it's dangerous. Therefore, I don't want anybody to move in power in this church. Just <laughs> empty all the power. No, no, that's not true. But we've got to understand power comes out of relationship. We don't go on a pursuit of getting and seeking power. We find in Mark's gospel that he says that those that believed in Jesus, that signs and wonders followed them. And he lists a lot of the the manifestations of power that followed those that uh, were believers and followers of Jesus. But it's always being a follower of Jesus that that's where the power, that's where the rubber meets the road. A lot of times you say, well, I've known Jesus for a long time and I never have power going out of my life. Go get in a situation where you're going to be desperate and you need power and I guarantee it'll show up. If you play it safe, if you think that uh, our, our, our American culture, lifestyle, Christianity just brings one little more blanket of security, we've missed the whole point. Christianity comes to take the American lifestyle and turn it upside down and shake it until Jesus is Lord and not the American dream. Right. Hmm. Wow. Law hammer. So he says, <laughs> you can tell Peter's not a pastor. He's an apostle. I, I, I just keep wanting to go back in and say, Lord, I'd like to just help Peter make this more palatable. But Peter's black and white. He sees, and what he sees in Simon is something that is very dangerous to the early church. It's very dangerous to the community. The community's been following Simon for a long time. They've been impressed with his abilities, his magic. They've been, and, and they followed him and, and all this. 
And now it's got to get straightened out because that has come from the kingdom of darkness. Peter, you know, he, he doesn't pussyfoot. He goes right for it. He says, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God. Gifts of God, you don't buy. You'll have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Now, there's some important truths right here. If, if we're going to function in power and authority in the kingdom out of our relationship with Jesus, we've got to have our hearts right. We've got to have our hearts right. <laughs> I was at a meeting this week, and I'm, I'm told this was kind of old-time Pentecostal stuff. But this prophet was prophesying, and as he was going around, you know, I don't know if he's getting distracted or whatever, but he, he, would, he would say, now let's keep the room, let's keep the room, let's keep the room, let's keep the room, and all that. And what he was saying was, don't get distracted, keep your focus, as he prophesied for everybody in the church, there's probably 45 people or so, and so he's doing, and he said, let's keep the room. He didn't want us to get distracted, he didn't want us to get off focus or anything like that. He was wanting to keep kind of uh, the atmosphere and the spirit just right on as he was going around and as he was prophesying. It was really interesting. I'd never heard that expression. I, ha I wasn't raised in that, in that tradition, in that stream, but it was like, oh, it encouraged my heart when I heard it. It made me realize, hey, the prophetic brother is the one who's prophesying, but we all have a part to play. We all have a part to play in intercession and praying for him and, and welcoming the Holy Spirit and just receiving everything that's necessary for life to be imparted. And every time he said, let's keep the room, I, something inside me just jumped up and I said, yeah, let's keep the room. Let's keep it so that everybody gets to hear what the Lord is saying to them. I like that. That was, that was new. I've never, never seen that. So there, there he is. He says, you, do, you don't have any part because your heart's not right. And one of the things that we, we know when someone comes to Christ and they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they need to get connected with their heavenly Father and they need to get their heart ministered to. Because there's so many things that the enemy throughout the course of our entire life tries to congest our heart with all sorts of lies, <laughs> all sorts of strongholds, all sorts of perceptions of what we think is true, and sometimes what we think is us. That's not really us, but we bought into it and we think it's who we are. So Peter goes on. I like the third thing that he says, repent of this wickedness. So thank you, Peter. Give Simon an opportunity to repent. He does. Repent of this wickedness. Pray to the Lord, perhaps... <laughs> Perhaps he will forgive you. I've never known the Lord not to forgive anyone who's asked. But sometimes we've got to keep asking until our heart gets right. Such a thought in your heart. For I see that you're full of bitterness and you're a captive to sin. See, he was able to see what was going on in Simon. And I think that revelation is important to be able to see so that we know how to minister. As a pastor, I, I just want to take Simon the sorcerer off to the side and continue to speak into his life, bring some deliverance to him, 
help him grow. Um, we don't get the full story. Church history has all sorts of things that tells us about Simon. Supposedly went to Rome and continued a mixture of his black arts and his Christianity and got it all together to where it really became a threat in, in the body of Christ. I don't know if that church history is correct, but that's one of the stories that they talk about him. The story of church history in my mind is that one of the pastors, Timothy or somebody, comes and gets a hold of him and takes him aside and, and gets him through full deliverance and he, and he discovers the true, not the counterfeit power of darkness, but the true power of intimate relationship with Jesus and he flows. That's why I want to write the story. We'll see how it actually goes when we get to heaven, maybe. So at least Simon has enough sense to say, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you've said may happen to me. This is one of the things that I, I'm glad he said that, and the other part, I'm sad. He still doesn't have enough relationship with Jesus to go to Jesus and, and say that. He's asking Peter and John to pray that none of this stuff happens. And I'm just thinking, oh, when we get our eyes on men, and we don't have relationship with Jesus, we will be going to them for things that we need to go to Jesus, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit for. We need to go to God on these things. Well, let me sum up. <laughs> Peter and John continue. When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. And so we see that even through persecution, the proclamation of the kingdom of God is going forth. And as they go to check out what was happening in this one Samaritan city, many villages get to hear the kingdom message as Peter and John return back to Jerusalem. I love that. And so it continues. The book of Acts continues. The acts of the Holy Spirit continue. And it continues to this day. So I want to encourage you to, this morning. Don't let the enemy take any of this and bring fear. I know a lot of people, all, all, they get, well, am I saved? Because Simon got baptized and he, and was he saved? And, and, and so they talk about salvation. I think the point of this is not so much about splitting hairs on who's saved and who's going to heaven and who's not, but how to walk in the kingdom. How to walk in the kingdom requires hearts that are right. And if you want to see the fullness of God manifested in your life, you got to continue to invest in your relationship with Jesus, Holy Spirit, and God the Father. Now that's good news. Right on. I am so encouraged. I feel like I've just started in this incredible race with the Lord of knowing him, of intimately being related to him. It's like, this is getting better and better. Uh, for those that are young, when you hit your 60s, it really starts to click. <laughs> Don't wait till then. Don't wait till then. Because it can click in your 20s, it can click in your teens, it can click in your 30s, your 40s, and some of them in their 70s. Watch it. 70s <laughs> and 90s. Granny's getting ready to turn 91 October. So, 
So let's continue. Let's continue this incredible adventure in the kingdom. This incredible, intimate relationship that we have with Jesus. We've got to take more time to place ourselves before him for all of this to really take place. So this morning, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, uh-huh. wherever you're at, the thing that I, that I find out about the Holy Spirit is that there's always more. There's always just so much. I just invite us all to stand, that, that just say, Lord, I'd love to have a fresh, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit so I can become famous and everybody will be drawn to me and I, I will just be head above all the other believers in here and they will just think I am so... No, 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 no. We want more of you, Holy Spirit, so that we can know the fullness of Jesus. So that we can know him and love him and we can understand all oh, the the fullness of what he did at the cross, what the the meaning of his resurrection has for us, what it's like to be (laughs) seated with him (laughs) in heavenly places, what it's like to, to be with the one who's at the right hand of the Father. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We need you. We want you, not so that we can have power, but so that we can know, we can have relationship. And we say, let the power come in a way that glorifies Jesus. We want power not for our credit, but for his credit. We want power to be displayed on planet Earth So that those that don't know will say, what kind of God is that? We want Jesus to be famous, to be glorified, to receive everything that he has purchased and paid for. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Receive a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So Lord, we say thank you for your love, your goodness. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for all that you're doing. Let your peace rest upon us to the glory and praise of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If anybody else wants more ministry, feel free to come to the front. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.